Alrighty, friends and friends, we're back. Your favorite podcast of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 620. And we're recording uh, live on May the 16th. Uh, Abriana, how are you doing? I am good. Um, you know, it's just like, I feel like we're just like speeding into the middle of this year and it is just happening really quickly. And so much is happening and like industry-wide, but also I would say specifically like CTV and um, with work and like just life is so busy. Does it just keep getting busier? I mean, what do you think? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think it is. Like, so, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, filling in with Karsten last week. Uh, we had uh, fun. That was good. It like, looked like you guys had some fun. And uh, yeah, I was uh, in, in Tokyo um, working on a deal there and that went well. Um, so I'm happy about that, but it's good to be back and to see you. Um yeah, and we have a uh, we have a long weekend coming up here uh, in Canada this this next weekend, so that'll be nice. And the weather's been good, and good. you know we're things things are going in the right direction. But it, yeah, it's busy. It's very busy. Yeah. Um, and we have a uh, a busy show, uh, four stories that uh, to cover off some interesting things. I think this week, and I'll let uh, you start off with uh, restaurant stuff restaurant and AI. I mean, the hot topic that just doesn't end. Wendy's uh, QSR has teamed up with Google Cloud and they are testing out artificial intelligence tech at the drive-thru. So starting in June, this pilot project is going to be aimed at creating these quick and consistent drive-thru experiences. Um, And if it works, it could be, you know, really big because Wendy's is like nearly 7,000 restaurants worldwide. Um, but this is an expansion on existing uh, partnership with Google, uh, with Google Cloud, I should say specifically, and that's called Wendy's Fresh AI. And really, they're just trying to use um, the generative AI, large language models, um, and really, you know, Wendy says that like eighty percent of its customers are using the drive-through as their preferred ordering channel. And so there's difficulties there. We all know this. We've all been through a drive-through where you have a special order, they can't understand you, it's broken, whatever. There's a lot of complexities um, and like the menu options and things like that. So this is really aimed to help with that. And I would say like streamline that experience for, for consumers. Um, and we've seen other brands, other QSR restaurants that are deploying AI with drive-through ordering. So we've seen like Carl's Jr., Hardee's, depending on where you are in the in the, this side of the country or that. Um, and they've done that with a platform called Tori. And then we've also seen Del Taco that's working with a company called Presto Automation at some drive throughs So, you know, this is a this is certainly a trend that we're seeing. It's happening more and more in the space. I think that, um, you know, anything that can, can improve the convenience factor and like even the customer service impact and make things a little bit more seamless would be really helpful. Um, you know, I feel like, Honestly, the norm for most QSR restaurants, I would say the exception most of the time is like a Chick-fil-A, but you know, it's always, it's problematic. It's frustrating. I think it's frustrating for the employees. It's frustrating for the people who are ordering. And I think this is a great um, way to use and infuse AI and QSR. It's like, it, it just makes sense. And so if they can improve and make it easier to understand what people are saying and special requests, 
Um, I, I look forward to, to trying this out at a drive-thru and seeing how it makes the uh, experience better. Maybe it doesn't make the food better, but perhaps it's a little more seamless and quicker. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's very interesting. I think it is a good a good use case of this kind of generative AI technology. I think if the language models that they're talking about are able to handle, you know, accents and uh, you know com complex requests and things like that, then yeah, I think this could be quite useful. And and you know, then it's also about consistency, right? Like if it's you know you don't have different staff, you know, working there all the time taking you know orders um you know and from a consumer perspective you you have sort of a very consistent experience uh it's the same as what they try to do with their food right like you know all these fast food places you know they have a model and you know the food has you know you know step one step two step three and like you know all these kinds of things but there's a consistency to you know a big mac or you know a wendy's burger or whatever is the same you know wherever you go um, and I think if you can bring that kind of consistency to, you know, drive through ordering or those kinds of things and using uh, generative AI to do that, I think that's this this is a good fit. And as you said, there's a lot of locations, right, that, uh, you know, they have to deploy this to if it works. So I, I like it. I think it's interesting. And, and you know, it, also to see that other chains are, are doing similar with, you know, um, other AI uh, technologies out there, right? So it's not just Google, um, you know, that's behind this. But I, but I think this is a good partnership that they've they've had with Google for some time. So I like it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on now. So we're going to jump from Wendy's over to um, Amazon, and I think this is a really interesting story. So Amazon has launched a new um, immersive shopping platform called Amazon Anywhere. And what's really interesting about this, it's trying to kind of bridge the gap between the metaverse or web three type of applications uh, and physical um, or shopping. Um, and so what they've done is, is they've kind of built this, this uh, platform that developers can work with on uh, virtual environments. So whether it's a video game or augmented reality application or mobile app, that uh, you're building, basically you can kind of connect it up with Amazon anywhere. Uh, and then through this, um, this partnership, you know, while you're playing the game or, or in, in that virtual environment, you can interact uh, with and, and buy um, items from Amazon. So essentially your Amazon account, your Prime account, all that is linked uh, into this. Um, and then, you know, whether it's game specific kind of merchandise, let's say, uh, or, you know, just things that aren't, you know, from an advertising point of view, but might be related, um, you know, that part works exactly the same way. You see the product information and the images and whether it's available on Prime or not and the price and the delivery. And then you tap on the buy button from within, you know, this virtual environment. Uh, and then the product is shipped out to you just like any other Amazon purchase. So I think that's really interesting uh and they're starting the first one is they've uh worked with the niantic guys who created pokemon go and they've built a game called peridot uh it's available right now on ios and android um and basically you know gamers can interact uh and what you do is is you you care for ai powered virtual pets so um it's kind of a digital version of, of you know pet rocks, I guess, and things like that, that we grew up with. I don't know. Um, but I think it's kind of interesting. And so 
uh, within this now with the Amazon Anywhere platform tied into it, they've got these sort of Peridot game related merchandise. So t-shirts and hoodies and phone accessories and throw pillows and artwork and things like that. So it's kind of interesting. And I, I see a lot of potential for this type of overlay uh, going forward. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think like shoppable ads, experiential ads is a huge opportunity right now in all the different formats that that they're offered. Um, and I love this, not only because Peridot happens to be my birthstone, but it's also, I think, just like a really great way to integrate an existing feature and functionality from the app reach that Amazon has existing with something else like a game. Um, and so I think that, you know, I uh, probably a whole nother podcast session could be like why the metaverse kind of just came to a screeching halt or like it kind of just fell off a little bit for the time being. But I think that we're realizing, okay, rather than setting up like this retail space in the metaverse or something like that, I mean, or in addition to, I should say, yeah. but like, let's bring people into a place that we already know they're going to come. I'm not making them have to go to a separate place. Like they are already coming in. They're playing this game with Niantic. Um, now they're going to have this, um, this way of like purchasing things that are tied. It's that content. I mean, and it's also, uh, I would say like full circle when you think about like sponsored content within um, shows or, you know, the ability to have like something that's shoppable and it's tied directly to something that's happening within um, either a game environment or a television show or a movie that you're streaming, like all of those just create a lot more touch points and it ties that consumer, I would say a little bit more emotionally to what you're advertising. So I think that there's so many benefits to this as the advertiser, as, um, you know, just like creating the, the platform. And I am really excited about this one. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I uh, and if it's taking care of virtual pets, are you going to, are you going to let your girls play around with this or what? Yeah, I think I would, you know, my kids like ask for phones and they have access to tablets that they can play with. So if it's something that's available via tablet, I'm all for it. Um, but like, we are pretty firm on like the no phones for quite a while. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, be a child, play outside. This is yeah. kind of what we're going to focus on for now. That stuff is coming soon enough. Um, and it's going to be, you know, way bigger than it ever was when, when we were growing up and even today. So yeah, for sure. Um, TBD, yeah. but, but pet rocks in the virtual world, I can get with that. Nice. Um, so sticking with kind of a retail story, Macy's is teaming up with the trade desk and they're going programmatic. Now, maybe when I read the title of this story about like Macy's going programmatic, I'm like, don't they already do programmatic advertising? That seems like a no brainer, but this is not really exactly simply that they are partnering with trade desk for a data partnership. And this is really interesting. And I expect that this is really the tip of the iceberg for uh, companies like Macy's. So they are the largest department store chain in the US. And now with this partnership for self-serve advertising powered by Macy's data, um, you know, think about the different aspects here. You've got the trade desk that has access to all these audiences, all these segments, and now we'll have access to Macy's segments that maybe another company can buy. So an example of this could be like, um, I want to target Nike shoppers. I want to target maybe people who are in a specific stage of life. Think of um, 
people who are shopping for maternity or baby, um, people who are shopping for furniture because maybe they just moved and selling and using those segments and activating on those via, you know, programmatic via the trade desk, whether that's like the self-serve environment. And they can use those maybe for an insurance uh, provider or maybe someone who is looking for a bigger house because they're having a child. So there's so many great applications of this data. Now, don't get this confused with medium the media network, Macy's, Macy's Media Network, which was formed in 2020, just a few years ago. Um, but that ad sales group was really focused on its own and operated media. So think of its own digital real estate, like its website. Uh, Macy's also owns Blooming Nails. So their apps, uh, the retail placements, package inserts, which would be like outside of digital, but still in the screens and stores. So all of that, Macy's is going to continue to have ownership of um, and they will maintain that ownership of. But this allows for beyond, I would say, like endemic or like those native placements that make sense, right? Um, so this is a partnership and, and Macy's will likely add other partners as I would assume the trade desk will add other audiences and segments for targeting. Um, but they are the major retail, the first major retailer to partner with the trade desk that is not a national grocery or convenience store, which is pretty big. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's, um, it's another perspective almost on that type of data that they can bring. So the trade desk will allow the brands to onboard their CRM data matched to Macy's audience. Um, you know, they can also use like the prepackaged audiences, but I think this is a really exciting, um, venture. And I just like expect that we're going to see so many more follow suit and it just, to me, it makes sense. It's like a privacy forward way of letting people still use segments that are valuable to them, um, to other advertisers. And I think that it kind of removes Macy's from having to focus too much on other things like selling their audiences. And they really get to focus on their media network and their retail experience and still control that as well. Um, you know, another retailer that that has used the trade desk and a self-serve DSP is Walmart. Um, and they kind of use it as like a programmatic sales force of sorts, but it has more of a walled garden model. So I think that we're just going to see retailers take different approaches. Um, but I think this is really powerful. I think it's good for Macy's. I think it's great for the trade desk, obviously. Um, and it's good for other advertisers who want to be able to use those segments to to target off of. So what do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. It's the tip of the iceberg. I think, you know, we've been seeing, you know, all these retailers start to, you know, open up, um, you know, media network offerings. I mean, they've been at this now for internally, obviously, since 2020. But, uh, you know, we've talked about Walgreens and CVS and, you know, some of these other, you know, Kroger and some of these other people that are doing likewise. And I think it's smart, right? At the end of the day, you have, you know, uh, a sort of a, a declining model on one side in terms of available audience data. And, you know, so a great way to fill that is to, you know, make these kinds of data sets available, um, you know, for others to use, right? And and I think it's it also creates just a whole new kind of branch of revenue for retailers. I mean, retailers, you know, margins are, are, are tough and tight uh, on the goods that they're selling. And so if you can, you know, start to generate revenue as a data uh, company or a media company on top of that, why not, right? And so I think you're going to see a ton of this. Um, I think, you know, most retailers, and not even just retailers, I, I could see restaurant chains getting into this. I could see, 
you know, lots of different, you know, types of groups uh, that have, you know, data on their, on, on their uh, your customers and their audiences, making that available for others. And I think you're, you're right. I think there's going to be those that take this kind of approach and say, Hey, you know, here it is. And, you know, let others match up against it or uh, build lookalikes against it or, you know, do those kinds of things and and target uh, to them and others that say, no, like, you know, we're not going to, um, you know, open it up that way. We're just going to use partnerships like the trade desk for our own internal purposes, like Walmart is doing. But I think um, at the end of the day, we're going to see tons of these types of uh, these partnerships, you know, like I, the one that comes to mind, like for me that, you know, I, I don't know if they have this going on, but like somebody like a Dick Sporting Goods, like that's a pretty interesting, unique audience, right? That uh, I think a lot of people would be interested in targeting. Um, you know, so uh, you're going to see a lot of that. Um, so I like it. I think it's super interesting. And I'm, I'm always intrigued to see kind of what the trade desk is doing next, because they, they seem to be ever evolving and, and adding partners you know, like, uh, like there's no tomorrow. So yep. uh, it's, it's very interesting. So, all right, on to our uh, final story now. So this time we're going to jump into the uh, alcohol space and talk about absolute vodka. Um, and this is a local story here in Canada where I am. Uh, they, uh, working with their agency uh, Ogilvy uh, here in Canada, they've uh, created a new campaign called Mix Your Neighborhood. Uh, and what this does is it's um, first of its kind, basically cocktails that, you know, incorporate absolute vodka are um, developed um, using AI technology. So they have an AI platform that's basically uh, generating these cocktail ideas, but the, the attributes or the ingredients, if you will, are focused on local neighborhoods. Um, so they went out and talked to different people about uh, bartenders um, in in different neighborhoods across um, the city or across the country, um, and kind of got from them what they felt were you know key you know interesting you know attributes or things uh, about that neighborhood, and then had AI basically put together uh, cocktails that um you know are kind of reflective of, of that um and so and then they took that sort of those those recipes now that were created by the ai platform and then took them back out to uh to bartenders uh and had them actually create these cocktails and serve them uh in the local neighborhoods so what i like about this is is that it's it, it's again another interesting way that they're taking you know, AI technology uh, that we're seeing pop up all over the place, but using it in a way to do something that is kind of different and cool um, and, you know, still touching the physical world, right? So in this case, you know, we're talking about, you know, you can go to a local bar here in your neighborhood and they have a cocktail now, you know, that is, you know, made up of, you know, interesting things from your neighborhood um you know and and is reflective of that so i i, I like the local uh, aspect of it um so the, the, so they add the question they ask is if your neighborhood was a cocktail what would it look like um and so i think that's i think it's interesting right because yeah. you know we all have these little things that we know about you know the area that we're you know we live in or or work in or play in um 
that are unique to those areas, right? And if you can kind of, you know, draw on those things or kind of highlight them in different ways, whether that's something historical or the culture of the people or local plants or things that are growing uh, in the area, um, you know, I think I think it's kind of interesting. So they're going to be doing this all all summer long in neighborhoods across the country. Um, you can go to absolute.com uh, forward slash en dash ca, and uh, they're inviting locals everywhere to nominate their hoods and tell them what makes it unique and you can get a cocktail mixed up and a recipe and you can download the cocktail artwork from the website and all kinds of cool things like that so what are your thoughts i think this is really fun and and i think this is like really um a good combination of of absolutes like value proposition if you will because they have so many unique flavors right they have so many you know i if you think about absolute it's like it's a staple name you know it's a generally like decent vodka um it's available everywhere so i think that the fact that they have something that has so many flavors and it's available in so many places and now they're tying it to the uniqueness of a restaurant um or a, a neighborhood and have that available in a restaurant um i just think it's a really smart approach and that like it's it's not them trying to be somebody besides who they are like they're not trying to go be great goose or tito's or anybody else like they're being themselves yeah. and it's kind of authentic to their brand i think it's a great way to like infuse their flavor and their you know uniqueness in all these different places um and i love that they're starting in canada i mean it's really cool i like it too <laughs> yeah so we'll have to check in with uh with danielle uh on that since she's uh she works there and yes. local here so we'll see we'll see what she has to say about that campaign but uh very cool um well that's it that's our show for this week for uh wide-ranging stories but thank you everybody for listening and watching we appreciate it uh we'll be back next week of course with another show and also want to just quickly point out that for the LBMA uh, uh, community out there, we have our conference coming up soon, uh, June 13th and 14th uh, at the Mall of America. Um, and um, a lot of great speakers coming together for that. So I encourage you just go check it out. Go to the LBMA.org website um, and you'll see the event listed there. Um, and um, yeah, we would love to see you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.